0: Father, I want to thank you for every amazing person you've gathered today. We press into you. Lord, I just pray that today that you'd use someone like me to speak to brilliant people like this. But Lord, search our hearts. Holy Spirit, we give you the freedom to challenge us, provoke us, move us forward, shift our thinking. Lord, because we want to be the men and the women you've called us to be. We want to be your church collectively and shine brightly so be glorified in this moment i pray and all God's people said tell someone this is going to be good my title if you like titles is who do you think you are the uh, spice girls sang all about that many years ago bend it shake it move it make it who do you think you are And um, it's just a great thought process. There's a program on TV called Who Do You Think You Are? And it looks at genealogies and and the histories of families. And it's really interesting that people go, wow, I I didn't know that about myself. And some people get moved to tears. But I think it's also a greater question in life that we need to personally be able to put our finger on, that we need to know who we are. Uh, We're going to do a a bit of a series on, on identity. This will kick that off. But I believe there's an identity crisis in the world right now. Too many people are going through life not really knowing who they are, not really knowing what to hang their hat on, and so therefore that they're struggling in life in general. And here's what I want you to get. If you get nothing else out of today, get this statement. Knowing your identity is directly linked to how you behave. When you know who you are, it will determine how you behave in any given situation. So it's so important that you know who you are. It is so important that your identity is correct and it's not an identity that's been put on you by someone else or by circumstances you've found yourself in, but it's your true identity. When you know that, your behavior will fall in line with it. Amen? Come on, we need to know who we are. There's a saying, and I'm sure many of you will have heard it. You find yourself in any given situation and you're chatting with your friends about, you know, maybe you've got to say something difficult or maybe you disagree with something, and your friends will say this, You've just got to be true to yourself. You heard that one? Yep. Give me a wave. We're very quiet this morning. You've just got to be true to yourself. But what does that even really mean? Because what it really means, I think, is that in that given situation, and it's often when there's conflict, in that given situation, you look at who you think you are in that moment, you process it through that thought process, and you behave accordingly or speak accordingly. The trouble is... If your identity isn't correct, you're interpreting the situation through something that isn't correct and behave and talk incorrectly because you were incorrect at the start. Yes. Do you hear me? I know that's a bit of a mind-bender right there, but are you with me? Yes. So it's so important that our, our identity is correct because when situations arise, you will react correctly. Because we are ultimately here to represent Jesus, aren't we, church? Yes. And so the trouble is we need to have our identity correct. How you behave is directly linked and attached to how you see yourself. And I want to be leading a church full of people who are willing to challenge themselves to be who you're called to be. And behave how you're called to behave. Because then we'll be the shining light we keep talking about today. Amen? Let's unpack some of this stuff. I think in our society we get quite mixed up with three things. Behaviour, possessions and position. And the trouble is, what happens is people look at your behavior, they'll look at your possessions, and they'll look at your position in life, and they'll make a judgment about you, saying that's who you are, yeah? Because of what you've got, because of how you behave, because of the position you're in life, they will look at you, and the world or people, we all do it a little bit probably too, love to box you in. Oh, that's who you are. I've got you sussed. I know how you're going to behave because you're in this little box that I've put you in. Do you know what? You don't belong in that box. And church, if we could find our true identity, we could actually burst out of some boxes and start breathing in life and start being who you're called to be. Let me give you an example. Believe it or not, I'm a church pastor. The difficulty with that is you might say, and people might think, he's a church pastor, meaning that's who he is you see? I, being a church pastor isn't who I am, being a church pastor is what I do and they're different things but you can see how the crossover goes, oh you're a single parent meaning that's who you are, that's not who you are That's how you have to live in a given situation. Do you see that? And what happens is all this gets misty mashed up in life and people's behaviour changes because of boxes and labels that are put on you that aren't true. I am a pastor. It's what I do. And I love it. But if all you lot had a little chat after church and said, he's a right idiot, isn't he? I'm Glad it went quiet there. (laughs) Got together and said, we don't want to follow this guy. Not sure his theology is correct. He thinks he's funny and he's not. And what about the clothes he wears? If you had a little get-together and had a chat and said, we're not coming here anymore, and you all got up and left, and I really hope you don't, would it change who I am? It would change what I do. I wouldn't be a pastor anymore. But it wouldn't change who I am. And you know what it wouldn't change? It wouldn't change my commitment to church. It wouldn't commit to change my commitment to pursue Jesus. It wouldn't change my commitment to, to advance the kingdom and to love people and to be kind because that's who I am. Being a pastor is what I do. Can you see the difference? I am married. Praise the Lord, someone had me. But some people think you're married and they instantly put a label on you in a box and that's who you are because, oh, you're married. Got your suss now. I know how married people behave. I know how they think. I put you in this little box. I'm speaking some truth, aren't I, church? But who knows this? Being married is not who I am. It's a position I've been given in life. And it's my privilege. Sarah's flipping awesome. And she blesses me. And I love being married to her. But if she got up one morning and said, what have I done? (laughs) And walked out on me. Don't do that. Would it change who I am? It would impact me and it might be emotional and it would be sad. But being married is not who I am. It's a position I carry in life. I'm still me. Can you see how I'm trying to unpack this? Here's another one. That person's really rich. And what you're really saying is that's who they are. They've got money. I've seen the cars they drive, the holidays they can have, the homes they live in. And what you're doing is you're putting a label on them. Uh, And you're putting them in a little box and you expect them to behave a certain way. And this happens across the... I could give you hundreds of examples. You can think it through yourself. But the reality is, being rich isn't who that person is. It's what they have. Praise the Lord. But it's not who they are. And we need to start saying, who am I? Not what position I have, not how I function, not what items I have in life, but who am I? I, I know lots of wealthy people actually, and I'm sure most of us here would like to be a bit wealthier. I know lots of wealthy people having a really difficult time because they don't know their identity. They've got all the money to spend and do stuff and they keep spending it on stuff because they don't really know who they are. And if they knew how they are, maybe they'd handle their wealth differently. Can you see? Because identity affects behavior. And we need to grasp that. I I, I like that, you know, I, I know people who are super wealthy and stingy And I know people who are super poor and generous because they just see themselves differently. My point again being, it's not about possessions. It's about knowing who you are in any given situation. Therefore, you could have lots or you could have little and still be you. You could be married or single and still be you. You could have a job or not have a job and still be you. So you don't have to change. Your behavior can stick in any given situation when you nail down, this is who I am. Am I with you? Turn to three people and say, who are you? Who do you think you are? I love, you know, I hope, and you'll have to check this out with Sarah, but I believe I behave in a certain way in my marriage Because it reflects who I am. I hope you can all see that I behave in a certain way as a pastor, not because it's my job, but because of who I am. And so who I am goes into every sphere of life. I'm sure you'll have seen other pastors who handled life differently to me, and that's cool and for them, but you have to work out where you see them fitting. But my point is, identity affects behavior. Who knows that there are family cycles of behavior? You know, it's no great surprise then that parents who are really great in the business world have children who end up being really great in the business world. It's no great surprise that people who work in medicine have children who end up working in in medicine. It's no great surprise that people who are always tired and ill have children who are always tired and ill. It can be positive or negative. But my point is, we can all see it, can't we? There are family cycles. When something is modelled to you over a long period of time, it ends up becoming an addicted behaviour. And so we need to say, is that who I am? Or am I someone else? And should that affect how I behave? I'm a Roberts. You may well know this. And you can see a cycle in our family. You now my parents are gifted. They're strong. They're committed. They're kind. They're full of faith. And so when you see me, I'm those things as well. Can't remember what I just said. And more, go on, Mum. But now you see my children. Josh doing sound for us today. Radivich was my son, Josh, fifteen years old, doing the sound. No wonder I'm going quiet. But you'll see. My parents passing on a cycle of behaviour to me, me passing on a cycle of behaviour to my son. We can all see that in families. You, you've got cycles. They exist. The trouble is, is that a good cycle? And it might be. I think that the, the traits I've just said, I'm really happy with them and I hope to pursue them and keep them. I hope my grandchildren had those behaviours because they're good behaviours. But not every behaviour is good. Even in the Roberts household, we've got some behaviours that we should challenge and we do challenge. But it's about knowing who I am, affecting how I behave. One of the things we laugh about in our household is that I get to preach at lots of different churches. And and sometimes my mum goes to to those same churches. And when she arrives, they don't say, oh, hello, Linda. They say, oh, you're Barry's mum. And so straight away, even in the church, what are they doing? Putting a label on her. Putting her in a box. Yes, she is my mum. But that's not who she is. That's not the sum total of Linda Roberts, is it? Round of applause for my mum because she's flipping awesome too. But my point is people will always put labels on you. You can't stop that, but you can decide how you're going to respond to that. Are you going to let it affect your behavior or are you going to let your identity be what dictates your behavior? My identity, I believe, and for me, is found in my creator. Here's something. Imagine I was, you know, a gifted guy and I made I created footballs. Now, I created this football, and I pumped it up, and I got this football in my hand. And then a bunch of people came along, and they started playing netball with the ball. Is the ball a netball or a football? It's not a difficult question, people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is he tricking me? Is he, is he me? What does he, he mean? It's a football. Now, the football can still be used as a netball, but its identity is as a football. What if some guys picked up the football or girls and started bouncing it around and throwing hoops and started using it as a basketball? Is it a football or a basketball? Hey, it's a football. But it can be used as a basketball. But when you use the football as a football, the football flourishes. Because that's what it was made for. It's like, oh, I'm in my zone now. I don't mind being thrown around or put in hoops. That's cool. I can do that. I can live there. But it's not who I am. And it's true in life. God made you, created you on purpose, for a purpose, with great skills and gifts. You can function in any other area, but that's not who you are. When you find your lane and you function the gifts God gave you and created you with, you will flourish because it was always who you were meant to be. Psalm 139 says something along these lines. Verses 13 and 14, it says this. For you, God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Here's the thing. God's all of our creator. And in the womb, there he was going, oh, this one's going to be awesome. They're going to have dark hair and they're going to be tall and, 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 and they're going to be really fast at running and they're going to be super clever. And then as you grow up in life, you find yourself, you're able to be athletic and you get tall and, and you start working in academia and you can just flow. You can just do it. And you know why you can do it? Because your creator put it in you at the beginning. And now in life, you're just flourishing and, and you're in the lane God created you for. You could have gone in any other direction and you could have functioned elsewhere. But when you find your lane linked to your creator's identity, you can just do stuff. You know, one of the reasons I can stand up right now and give a half-hour message with one day's notice is because God's given me this lane. It's not because I'm better than you, I'm just different to you. this is my This is what I can do. And so therefore, I flourish. When Peter called me yesterday and said, "Oh, I'm not going to make it." There was a little bit of disappointment because Peter's epic, but there's a little leap in my heart, going, "Oh, I get to preach again. Because it's I love doing it. Do you see the point I'm trying to make? God created you on purpose, for a purpose with a great future. You'll never get that message anywhere else. God created you on purpose, for a purpose, with a great future. But this is what I love about my God. He ups it. He ups it. Have a look at these two verses here. John 1 verses 12 and 13. Yet to all who did receive him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Another verse says this. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba Father, or Daddy. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you his heir. Galatians 4, 6 and 7. Here's how God ups it. He creates us. And then he sees our distress. And he sends Jesus and he says, when you believe on him, I adopt you into my family. You now become a child of God. My identity is in Christ Jesus. What I am is a child of God. And here's the thing, we've already established, haven't we? We see behaviour in family cycles. How does God up the ante when he adopts us? Because what does a family cycle before God look like for you? You see, there are certain behaviours in the Roberts household that we fully expect. And there are certain behaviours in the family of God that God fully expects. And when we know our identity, we behave like that. And so we need to be people who find our identity in Christ as children of the King of kings, of God himself, creator of heaven and earth. You're the king's kids. And that with it has a behavior attached to it. You see, I don't behave erratically, or I try not to. I try to be kind. I try to be thoughtful. I try to be pure. I try to be generous. Not because I'm better than anyone else, but because finding my identity in the family of Christ has behavior attached to it. And it's my privilege to represent the King of Kings. How much of a privilege is it to look at the creator of heaven and earth? All that you see around you. I love it. I don't know if you've been skiing. I've been skiing. And you're up above the clouds on these mountains. You look, And it is vast. And you're like, God created all this stuff. And yet he calls me his kid. It's just like, well, sometimes we live in our little little zones, don't we? A little bit of Colchester. But it's a massive planet. That God created and he created you and he adopted you and called you his son or his daughter. And because of that, it's my privilege to reflect him on earth. It affects my behavior because I know who I am. But God being God doesn't leave it there. He ups it again. So who knows that everything has a value. And the value is what someone's prepared to pay for it. So if, for instance, you had a piano. Now, pianos are quite expensive. It was a nice piano, an antique piano. And you had it valued, and they said it's worth £5,000. So now, because the piano is worth £5,000, who knows you're taking care of it? You're giving it a little polish. You're making sure the children don't bang into it. You're not spitting anything on it. You're keeping it tuned up. You're occasionally playing it because it's valuable. It's worth five grand. You know, Anyone watch, uh, what is it, um, Antiques Roadshow? Give me, give me a way if you watch Antiques Roadshow. Oh, it's just me and Steve. Well done, Steve. <laughs> But the, the, the premise of Antiques Roadshow is people bring old stuff they've found in their loft. And they go and they have it valued by a professional. And they don't, re, no, we know that no one cares. No one cares how good or bad it is. They only care how much is it worth. They waffle on for 10 minutes about, oh, so-and-so had this. And it's back from this this age. And it was this color? And they do this new look. Like, oh, how much? That's what it's about, isn't it? And at the end, they might say, and, and to be fair, because it's got a chip in it, it's worth £3.50. And you can see the guttedness on their face. And in our house, we go. But when they say that's worth twenty five grand, they're like, oh, they're all chuffed. And then they all yeah, like, oh, oh, really? Oh, 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 I didn't know. And inside, they're going, It's yes. <laughs> Worth something. Who knows? If they discovered that exact same piano that was worth £5,000 was previously owned by Beethoven, who knows it's now worth millions? Same piano, but because someone of influence owned it, it now is worth a whole stack more. Who knows? The kids are definitely not going near it now. In fact, who knows? We're just selling it. When someone of influence has owned it, it ups the value. You know, I could have a car. You know, we, Sarah's first car we ever bought her, it was a B-Reg Fiesta. And it was dark maroon. It, had the, uh, it was a B-Reg and the last three letters were N-U-T. So we used to call it B-Nut. It's B-Nut. And it was horrible. It was horrendous. And um, it was quite good that we had that one because on the first week of driving, Sarah reversed into a post <laughs> in the car park. And uh, to be fair, the, uh, the bumper did fall off. Um, but it didn't matter because it was a little B-Nut and it was worth about £2.50. But if someone famous had previously, Michael Jackson had once owned that car, who knows that B-Nut is now worth millions because Jacko had it. My point being, when you're owned by someone of influence, your value goes up. Here's some truth. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Here's the thing. God looked at you and he says, I created you awesome. And, and, I, and I want to adopt you as family because you know, we want to be a family. But I can see the struggle you're in. And, and he sent his son, Jesus, to come and die on a cross to pay for you. for All the things that separate you from God, Jesus said, I'll pay the price. So when you talk about value, God's value over you is the life of his only son. To him, you are worth the most precious possession he had, the best relationship he had. He gave everything for you. That's how much he valued you. So if you're valuable, shouldn't you be respecting yourself? And if you're valuable, shouldn't you be commanding the respect of others? Because the price Jesus paid for you was everything. And if we know that the value of an object goes up because who owned it, the king of kings owns you. So now you're not just this little old person sitting here in Colchester. You are priceless. You're a son and a daughter of the king. He paid everything for you, which makes you priceless. And when you know who you are, it has to affect how you behave. You know, when you know who you are, this is what I want to say. Because I know who I am and I know who owns me and I find my identity Christ, I am worth more than a one-night stand. I am worth more than someone's put-downs. I am worth more than a lifestyle of drunkenness. I am life worth more than just drifting through this life aimlessly. I'm worth more than that. I'm worth more than the job I do, the stuff I have and the opinions of others because I'm a child of God and so are you. So come on, people. Let's nail it down and start behaving like that. Because we're living in a season right now where the world needs sons and daughters of God to stand up and be who we're supposed to be to love some people and to represent the king of kings. What I do flows easily for me because I'm close to my father. I know what he put in me and I flow. It's not a struggle. Each of you has a gift. Each of you was created on purpose. Each of you is dearly loved. Each of you is a child of the king. You have a lane. Can we help each other to live how we're called to live? Because in that place... You'll find happiness and satisfaction. If you're in business, flourish in it. If you're in medicine, flourish in it. If you're a parent or a spouse or you're single, flourish in it. But none of that is who you are. It's how you live and what you do. Who you are is a child of the king. Am I speaking to someone today? When you know whose you are, it's really easy to know who you are. And you know what? We live in a world right now where So many people have been abandoned, been let down, been hurt. Maybe you have. And the trouble is when you're abandoned and you're hurt, you lose your identity. You start thinking, this is who I am. No one cares about me. I always get brushed aside. And because you feel like that, you start to behave differently. And often with people who have been hurt and abandoned, the way they behave is to push other people away. Because they're protecting themselves because they don't want to be hurt and abandoned again. And so their identity becomes, I'm this rejected person. I'm this unlovable person. I'm this person no one wants. I'm the person who never succeeds. And if it happens often enough, it gets in your head, it gets in your heart, and you start to behave like that. And you start identifying as that person. And I want to say, no, you're a child of God. You might have gone through some stuff. You might know people have gone through some stuff. But that's not who you are. And if we could rediscover who we are, we could correct behaviours. If we could discover who we are, we could take some authority over some situations and help some people. There's a world full of people who are rejected. I bet you could name 10 off the top of your head. Well, could we become part of the solution? Could we hear a message like this and go into a series like this where we say, Yes, come on, I needed to hear that. And get so close to the King of Kings. And allow him to live so deeply in us that we find our identity in him. And it affects how we behave. You see, when I see someone who is so obviously rejected, I think the world laughs at those people. Because they behave a bit withdrawn. Well, oh, look, there he is. Why would they even come over there again? Always a problem in their life. Oh, no. Do you know what? Jesus died for them too. And I want to have that heart of the Father living in me, being so close to him that I don't want to laugh at them or put them down or exclude them anymore. I want to be the one who invites them in. I want to be the one who stands shoulder to shoulder with them. I want to be part of their testament that says, come on, I turned my life around. And I don't know if you've been through some stuff, but let me know this. God is the God of healing. God is the do- God who can redeem the past. God is the God who still has the same plan for you. God is the God who still put that great stuff in you at the beginning. And we need to reconnect with that, find our identity in him, and start living life again. Come on, someone's got to have a praise in their heart. I'm believing for God to break negative cycles. And you know, there are people who have been brought up in all kinds of homes and situations where cycle after cycle after cycle, nothing changes. Well, when you know who you are, it has to change because the king's kids don't behave that way. Can you imagine just for a moment, and I know there's all kinds of weird stuff going on in our royal family right now. But let's take William. He's the prince. He's the son of the queen. He's royalty. Do we expect him to have a difficult life? The answer is no, people. (laughs) Because he's got every provision he could ever want. He's got people running around after him, planning his life. It's easy. Do you know why? Because he's a son of royalty. Do you know our truth? We are kids of royalty. And we need to start behaving like that. We need to start expecting like that. You see, your life doesn't have to be a huge struggle. And I know we have ups and downs. I'm not saying God called us all to be millionaires or anything any of those things. But what he did call us to do is represent heaven. And heaven doesn't struggle. So we need to go through the ups and downs of life with an expectation in the heart. My God has got me. It's funny, I think we've used this kind of language through the service today, but it says this in Romans 8 and 28, and it's another famous verse, but get it in you. And we know that in all things, turn to the person next and say, all things. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Well, I'm unpacking it for you today. You have a calling on your life. You have a purpose on your life because God put it in there right at the beginning. He calls you his kids. He sent his son and paid a horrendous price for you. You are valuable. In fact, you're priceless. And so now we need to start living like that. And when we look around their lives and go, it's easy for you to say that, Barry, but this has happened and that has happened and the other thing's happened. Well, I'm saying God has always been there. And hes you didn't know it. But he's always been working stuff out. And he brings you to this place of going, oh, oh. And I wonder, in all this horrendous stuff that we're going through right now in the world, God's got a plan. I wonder if in a couple of years' time we look back and go, wow, wow. I read an excerpt from someone who lives in Hawaii where where it all started. And they said, we're ahead of the world in this. It's been horrendous. But the, the skies are clearing. Because people aren't going out anymore, the smog's lifted. Because people aren't going out so much now, you can hear the birds tweet. Because people aren't going out so much, they're not so consumed with their life, they've stopped and they've started talking to each other. And you start thinking, wow, it's horrendous. But God can still work what the enemy meant for bad for good. And it's not God's plan to hurt people, kill people or bring pestilence. But the devil's got an hour. But the God says, but I'm still in control. I'm still going to work this. I've still got my kids. And I they're going to shine brighter in this time. God's got a purpose in it all. Apply that to your own little life. Sometimes we think we're so flippant important. Apply that to your own little life. That my God has got a plan for me. And I've been through some stuff over here and it was painful. But he's working something. And he's changing something in me. I'm starting to see stuff differently. He's put some strength inside me and he's put some resilience inside me and I've put some guts inside me. And you know what? Now I know who I am. I'm going to go and reach out to someone who's gone through the very same thing I have and stand with them and say, I'm standing with you. We're walking through this together because the King of Kings is going to redeem your life. He's going to set you up for a better life because you're priceless. Come on, church. Could we start seeing our friends and our family and our unchurched people all around this town, at the university, in the schools, everywhere you go, in the workplace? Start looking at people as potential kings kids because Jesus died for them they might not yet know it yet they might not acknowledge it yet but before they decided Jesus made his move and we know that so could we see them that way could we treat them that way I, I, I really hope you know we were laughing earlier this morning about the shortage of toilet rolls has anyone seen that someone has literally bought about 10,000 toilet rolls have not they you, you go to the shops no toilet rolls uh, wouldn't it be awesome if you're knocked on the door of someone and you've got three toilet rolls left and you gave two away, that's because you go, God's got me and I want to bless you. Do you know what? Things like that speak volumes because what the world will do is hoard 10,000 toilet rolls. But what God's kids will do will give two of their three toilet rolls away and just use one slice. I've got to go there. I am... Um, <laughs> I was chatting with Ellie, and Ellie's dad lived out in Dubai for, for many, many years, and um, in Dubai, they don't use paper so much. They have a, a little thing you sit on, a bit like a day. and I hope it's not too gross for church, a little b-day and they have this little thing next to it, and it's like a thing you squirt and wash yourself, and actually, it's a far more hygienic way of doing stuff, but they call it a butt gun. Everyone needs a butt gun, do not they? That would solve the toilet issues, wouldn't it? No paper needed. Butt guns. Anyway, that is totally nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I hope I haven't ruined it. Now you don't want to lead this, be followed by this pastor. yeah? The church gets ups and leaves. But it won't change who I am. <laughs> are you hearing me in the seriousness of this message? Because you, don't worry about the person next to you. You need to know who you are. You need to settle it in your heart. You need to have a moment with your father and say, I count it privilege, Dad, to be in your family. Change in me what you need to change in me so I start following the cycles of heaven. I know you're going to provide for me. I know you're going to protect me. I know you're going to position me. I know you're going to redeem me. Stuff's happened in my world, but you're still God. And he will position you and shift you and make you who he called you to be. And then you might find yourself as the football being used as a netball for a while. But get, get involved because the time will come when you'll find your lane and you're going to flourish. And lives will be blessed because on a day in 2020, you suddenly realized who you are. Are you with me, church? Yeah. Can you stand? I'd love to pray with you. Come, on, let's just close our eyes just for a moment. Let's just focus on our Father. Lord, thank you that we get to do this life together. You call us together as church, your family. And it's our honour to gather together and get around your word and and bow the knee and lift you higher and honour you as God. We invite you right now just to move amongst us, to search our hearts, to prod us where we need to be prodded to shift us where we need to be shifted but Lord it's my greatest prayer right now that your church would have a fresh revelation of who we are that our identity is found in you not in what we have not in what we do not in where we're positioned in a worldly sense but our identity is in you We're the King's kids. Lord, I pray you'd shift our faith and raise an expectation in our hearts that my Father's got me. He's got me covered. He's working all these things for my good. And the day will come when I'll look back and I'll go, wow, thank you, Father. You were there the whole time. I just know in a gathering this size, there's going to be people who are carrying hurts. And the trouble with hurts is that we can bury them deep and toughen up and get on with it. And I I admire people who do that. The trouble with that is it doesn't heal it. You end up masking it. And you don't realize it, but it's always affecting your behavior. Because we protect ourselves, and, and of course we would. So, I wonder if there's anyone today who says, I just need a fresh touch from my father because I need that situation redeemed. I don't want to carry it anymore. It's been affecting me for too long. I want to be free to be the man or the woman I was created to be. I wasn't created to hurt, I wasn't created to struggle or strive. I was created to run free in the wide open spaces of God's grace. I speak that word freedom over you, church, in Jesus' name. Be free. Be free. Come on, would you be prepared to just rip off that plaster? You started to identify as a hurt person, and you're not supposed to be a hurt person. You may have been hurt, but it's not who you are. You're the king's kids. And your father's got you. Just with every eye closed, if there's anyone relating to this stuff that I've been masking stuff for time, and I kid myself it doesn't affect me, but I know it does affect me. Well, is today the, the day we say, "Come on, Lord, I'm getting serious about this. I want my freedom, so that I can run freely." If that's you today, every eye closed, just give me a wave because I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. God bless you. God bless you. Lots of people. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Here's my encouragement. We will pray now. And some of you might say, That's cool. I've got it. I'm going to work through it. But for a lot of people, it's helpful to talk with someone and pray with someone. And there's a prayer point just over to my left over here. There'll be some people stood there. Go and chat to someone. Go and pray with someone. Don't let this settle. Don't rationalize it in your mind. Get your freedom. So, Lord, I just lift up every person right there who acknowledged I've been dealing with some stuff. I've been masking some stuff, and it's affected me. Well, I break its power right now in Jesus' name. With the authority given to me, I break its power in Jesus' name. Everything the enemy meant to bind you up, I break in Jesus' name, and I declare freedom over you. Jesus paid a high price that you would be free. So we appropriate that freedom right now. And in Jesus' name, I say be free. Be free, be free, be free. You're accepted, you're loved, you're gifted, you're valuable. In fact, you're priceless. And ultimately, you're a child of God. It's time to live like that. It's time to live like that. It's time for you to find your lane. It's time for you to shine brightly. It's time to behave differently. It's time to flourish. And that starts, church, when we know who we are. You are a child of God. It's time to live like that. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Let's give Father a round of applause for all he's doing.